the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our third and final hour of the week this uh, Friday, July 16th. The phone number is 602-508-0960. And it is open lines. Whatever is on your mind. We'll start with Joe in Phoenix. Joe, welcome. Hey, Seth. This we were just talking about before the last break with Fauci and his contradictory statement, and the media put the pin it on. Mike Pence, yeah. Cheapest ass. Yeah. You know what, Joe? I'm having a super hard time hearing you. Could I ask you to call us right back? We'll put you right ahead of the line. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's just a bad connection. I really very much do. Thank you. In the meantime, something I wanted to get to is, uh, since it's Friday, a brief uh, conversation. Who, someone who hasn't had enough airtime, but debuted his airtime this week, if I'm not mistaken, on Monday. It might have been last week. It, was it last week? It might have been the end of last week. I thought it was Monday of this week. Maybe. I came on for a few seconds, maybe on Wednesday or Tuesday of this week, but I think the real segment of my Black Widow review might have been Friday or Thursday last week. It might have been. Whatever it was, the date is not the issue, Mm -hmm. but uh, the person is. He is John the Mentee. Uh, John has been um, studying with us and learning talk radio with us for the month of July. Uh, He's done some great work for me, gave a really, really, really bad movie review. Articulate. I still disagree with. I, I more. I more disagree with your movie review than I retract mine. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I suppose uh, that's 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 the way mediocrity would always would always would always view genius, as Churchill said. Um, but do you have any other movies going into the weekend you want to tell us about? Do you want to redeem yourself? Is there anything else that doesn't follow the Aristotelian form and requires us to suspend disbelief? I do not have any movie reviews at the moment. However, yeah. I am I now that I have this airtime, I will comment yeah. on the fact <laughs> that I I, I am very excited that we are going back to the movies because a lot of great movies are coming out. So I think in the near future, especially in July. So in the near future, I think within the next week or so, I can give you some good ones on movies Thank that are you. going to be coming out. We so would look like forward it if to you that. Gave, we would very much appreciate if you gave us some good ones. Of course. You can look out for it. In the meantime, uh, do check out some good ones. I know you have. You've given me a couple. Yeah, I've given you a couple. Rear Window, uh, North by Northwest, The Graduate, Jaws, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Start there, and then we can talk. You know, every day you give me a new set of five. I know, but that's because you didn't get <laughs> the cash of the five before. I can't get through all those. You have you can't get through five movies this weekend. I don't. I'll be honest. What are you doing? I'll, all I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I prefer TV shows to movies. So to, for me to sit down and watch a movie, 
is why I'm more inclined to go to the theater and give new reviews than old ones because it's hard for me to sit down and dedicate two hours of my time to watching a movie like that at home. Is this what social media has done to your attention span, your generation's attention span? <laughs> I'm good for 20 Maybe, minutes, but two hours is just too much to ask. I'll binge watch a TV show, but I just can't bring myself to do two hours do on you know one why? why? I know why. Because you haven't spent two hours watching a good movie. You don't you, – you take one of those five and the two hours will pass like a New York minute. Mm-hmm. Give me a shot. Okay, I give will. Give it a shot. I will. Just give it a shot. Okay. All right. We got Joe back from Phoenix. Hi, Joe. Hey, so Hi. sorry about that. That's okay. This is much better. Okay. Hey, I was commenting about the Fauci and the article in the, yeah. the Federalist a couple of days and his emails. I don't know why this guy has any credibility. I don't know why he's not. Well, I know why he's not in front of Congress answering, because it's controlled by the, by the left. But if you read the article in the Federalist, this guy covered up the origins. He gaslighted not only the American public, but he gaslighted the Trump administration on important information in January of 2020. He was working with private scientists, and they knew all the stuff, but he wasn't releasing it to the Trump administration and the government scientists so they could know exactly what's going on. You know, when he held a, he knew everything at the end of January, if you read this article, and the next day he had, he has a call with these scientists to help put disinformation out about the COVID. And at no time did he have Dr. Kedlick, which was his superior HHS, Dr. Redfield, the director of Center of Disease Control, Brett Gorier, the assistant secretary for health, or Dr. Brex, who was later in charge of the response to COVID. He kept all those people in the dark. Just think if Fauci wouldn't have lied and kept the United States government, the people who are responsible for this, in the dark because of some blowback that he might get for supporting this kind of research in the beginning, how much better would our response be? Uh, no question about it, uh, Joe. Uh, I, I, I think I know the piece you're referring to. Is It, it was a, a piece uh, that was written by Jim Jordan. Yeah. Does that ring a bell, Congressman Jim Jordan? So I want people yeah, to it. understand uh, that. I have the piece in front of me. At the end of January, January 31st, a year ago, 2020, when COVID was just coming online, Dr. Fauci received an email from Dr. Christian Anderson. Anyone who's followed COVID knows who Anderson is. Dr. Anderson received millions of dollars in grants from the National Institutes of Health, which Anthony Fauci heads. And Anderson wrote Fauci, quote, one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see some of the features of this virus look engineered. Naming several other scholars and researchers Fauci would know, he said, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with evolutionary theory. You know what that means, right? Do you know what that means? That yeah. that means it didn't it means it was, transfer from a human just, to, to from a bat to yeah. a human. It wasn't a zoonetic release. It, it it didn't come from the wet market. Right, 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 right. By the way, one of the interesting things about these emails that have been released and that Jim Jordan has written about is when you look at the January and February time period last year of the kinds of correspondences. Fauci was engaged in 
There is no sense of urgency whatsoever. It's all calm. There's conferences he's attending. There's conference calls he's engaging on. Um, And as you point out, he's engaging in conference calls with people who are wholly removed from the president's inner circle. As you said, his superior at HHS, Redfield at CDC, uh, assistant secretary in charge of the virus, Brett Girard, physician. Uh, Deborah Burks was left out of his loop early on. Um, in fact, in these early calls, there were not a single U.S. government official that Dr. Anthony Fauci was talking to. His love is not here. His love and interest is not here, Joe. That's not what makes yeah. him. That's not what makes him popular in the community that he exists in. That's not what makes him popular in his profession. What makes him popular in his profession are the international NGOs and scientists he sends your tax dollars to. Yeah, he's he. What makes him popular is he's the money bag. Mm-hmm. You know, and Seth. Another thing about COVID and what we found out, you know, post Trump is all the gaslighting. How many people have Democrats and the main media killed because they've gaslighted people? We now know that the Henry Ford study in conjunction with the University of Michigan, that's where they studied the hydrochloroquine and the Zithropax, uh, and they did an in-depth study, a very scientific, double-blind study. And they found out that if you administer those things early on, it significantly reduced the death and significantly reduced people having to be on ventilators. I can't remember the exact number, but it was more than by 50%. But we got, we, the media gaslighted us and told us, oh, that doesn't, no, no, you can't. If you say it, it's out. These governors said you can't use it, you know. One of the interesting things, one of the interesting things about hydroxychloroquine to me is why there was such a campaign against it, but such a campaign in favor of the vaccine. Isn't that odd to you? What is the difference? Can someone tell me what the difference is? Morally, politically, scient- I, I, I understand the scientific difference. One is a preventative and one is a one is an ameliorative, but uh, or a palliative, uh, but could someone please tell me morally why why a government would push a vaccine but not hydroxychloroquine, which has been in use and studied as safe for going on something like 50 years? Can someone, anyone? 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 602-508-0960 is the number. I was wanting to use uh, this hour to take your calls and to clean up some stuff on my inbox here I wanted to talk about with you. One of those things that I wanted to talk about had to do with a story I gave you yesterday that I wanted to say a bit more about, which was the organization Black Lives Matter standing with the government of Cuba, standing with the communist Marxists 
of Cuba rather than the people of Cuba. As I read their statement yesterday, happy to reread it. It's not unclear on the point who they stand with. Blaming America and standing with the revolution, capital R, not the people on the streets of Havana. After all, they are carrying and wearing American flags. Black Lives Matter is much more interested in burning American flags. But point I wanted to make on this, as I wanted to make about the institution of Black Lives Matter generally, memory fades, memories fade, and it's the job of, I think, the historian, the cultural historian, certainly the political scientist, to ensure that we don't lose our minds or our memories. And one of the things you may recall, a bunch of you sent me examples. One of the things you may recall was incredible amounts of pressure on organizations, as well as self-starting initiation by organizations, schools, nonprofits, museums. I guess that's a nonprofit usually, but some are for profit. Coming out with official statements and press releases vocalizing or um, instantiating their support for Black Lives Matter. Do you remember all that? Do you remember schools were confessing their racism? Museums were confessing their racism. We stand in support of Black Lives Matter. And some of us, not a lot, but some of us were looking at the Black Lives Matter website and agenda and we're saying, you can, you can call it anything you want, but this is not an agenda that is universally accepted as good for any lives, much less black lives. And one of the things we pointed to was the desire to overhaul the education system, to be sure. But the one that really rankled the most was the concept of disrupting the traditional family. And there was a lot around that. I don't know how much you remember or forgot there was around that. So much so that the Smithsonian gave us a chart on how to identify a white person A white person could be identified by having a mother and father and two children in their household, two or more children. That was indicative of whiteness. That was indicative of whiteness. Um, Without further comment on the racism behind that, if people want to understand where an organization like Black Lives Matter would want to come around to dismantling the traditional family structure, I have two things to say about that. And it came to me as important to talk about in light of Black Lives Matter supporting the communist Cuban government. There is a fight today in Cuba. Let's just put it clearly. It's between communists and Democrats. It's between tyrants and those risking their lives for freedom. And the Black Lives Matter movement is clearly on the side of tyrants supporting a revolution that was put together because they talk about the revolution with capital R that was led by two people, Fidel Castro 
and Che Guevara. We've spent a lot of time on Fidel Castro. Spend two minutes of your own time on Che Guevara and reading what he had to say of people with black skin and black skin color. I will tell you something. You think of you the worst racist in America you can think of. Start with David Duke if you want. I don't care. Nothing Che Guevara said. Nothing Che Guevara said about black people was better than what David Duke said. In fact, it's been worse. Not the main issue I wanted to talk about, though. What I wanted to talk about was why Black Lives Matter would support the revolutionary communist dictatorship of Cuba. I've tried to point it out before, but the founders of Black Lives Matter, two out of three, proudly proclaim that they are trained Marxists. And the third one, who isn't on record as having said that, leads chance on behalf of a cop-killing Marxist who has a $1 million price on her head from the Department of Justice for any information that will lead to her arrest because she is a fugitive from justice, having killed a cop in New Jersey, broken out of prison, and fled to, of course, Cuba, where Fidel Castro welcomed her with open arms. The third leader of BLM leads chants in her name and in her honor. Hell, the Democratic Party of Arizona puts out tweets quoting this fugitive from justice who has killed a cop and is living in Cuba and is a declared Marxist. That might be one explanation for why BLM supports Marxism. Why would they be interested in dismantling the family? Our system will transform the relations between the sexes into a purely private matter which concerns only the persons involved and to which society has no occasion to intervene. It can do this since it does away with private property and educates children on a communal basis and in this way removes the two bases of traditional marriage, the dependence rooted in private property of the woman on the man, and of the children on the parents. And here is the answer to the outcry of the highly moral Philistines against the community of women. Community of women is a condition which belongs entirely to bourgeois society and which today finds its complete expression in prostitution. But prostitution is based on private property and falls with it. Thus, communist society, instead of introducing communities of women, in fact, abolishes them. Where else have you heard that the American housewife is a slave or a prostitute? Oh, you heard it in second wave feminism, but how about where I just quoted from? Do you know where I just quoted from? It's not the Black Lives Matter website. Of course, they write the same thing in fewer words. Do you know where I quoted it from? A little book called The Communist Manifesto. The assault on the family that is present within the BLM movement is part and parcel of the protection and support of Marxism that is itself part and parcel of the BLM. And you have to disrupt the American or Western family to engage in communist government. 
People talk about coups in America. This is the real one. How fun is that? Not fun? Carol King also, if I'm not mistaken. Someone who would know would be Rob in surprise. Hi, Rob. <laughs> well, hi, Seth. And yes, it was Nikki Dolenz who was singing that song. Um, I, uh, happy Friday, by happy the way. Happy Friday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, you know, the whole misinformation thing is, is frightening because, Again, I don't know, is there a contract between the federal government and Facebook on, uh, you know, there's a, some sort of an agreement, a tacit agreement, a verbal agreement that says uh, if Facebook or the government, and I still can't figure out who it is yet, decides what's in misinformation, and of course, it's completely a violation of the First Amendment freedom of speech, but it's being hindered by either or both the government for Facebook and the other, you know, the, the other usual suspects, the, the Twitters and the uh, whatever other social media sources there are out there. Um, I, I just have to worry. Uh, and everybody, every American who has a sense of uh, personal freedom and the ability to speak their mind without being uh, subjected to uh, restrictions, which is what this misinformation thing is really all about because their misinformation is really saying the um, uh, their opinion and anybody who their opinion is primary and anybody who disagrees with whatever their preconceived conclusion is or or uh, bottom line is or agenda is uh, is considered misinformation well I just think that's crazy um, I always operate under some assumptions. Number one, I don't trust this administration. I don't trust the media, which is kind of saying the same thing. Um, I also think we're not just being told the full story. I, I think there's a lot of uh, very diabolical things going on there. Um, when I when I look at the vaccination thing, um, I, I, and we were talking about, or you were talking about that a little bit before with the hydroxychloroquine and right. so forth. Um, I, I wonder, and I've wondered for a long time, why, why is the vaccination been pushed so hard? That's what I don't get. I, I agree yeah. with you. I think it's eerie. I think it's weird. I don't even understand what the political payoff is. I mean, it, yeah. it, it forces one to speculate, but it makes me think of, as I was saying earlier, the, the Emerson quote, the more he spoke of his honor, the more I wanted to count my spoons. The more they push, the more my antenna goes up, I have to say, Rob. It's a little odd. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen well, – I, I, what would be an example of anything – can we think of an example of anything like this? It certainly wasn't uh, see something, say something that never had this kind of – that never had this kind of cachet. Is there anything well, – yeah. Can you can think I, of? I, I don't know. And I'm, I, I look back at the polio vaccines in the 50s, and I know that there were uh, some casualties. But again, I mean, what we're dealing with now – and, of course, what's being pushed now, the whole Delta variant nonsense, um, you're still dealing with – uh, a virus that has a 99.9% what, what, It's less lethal. Yeah. It's more virulent, but, but less lethal, as it turns out. Bill, it, Bill it, says that, Adam Carolla. What was, what's the thing that Adam Carolla said about this, Bill? God never gives with two hands. Was that the point, or was that someone else who said that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God never gives with two hands. Brian Whitman said that, Rob. 
what oh, he yeah. meant was uh, uh, in, in in a case like this. Bill, do you want to explain what you what you meant by it when, when it comes to the vaccine or the coronavirus? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And yeah. again, you know, but less lethal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then and then they have a tendency to change the narrative all the time. Well, they'll say that the vaccination doesn't keep you from getting it. It just lessens the symptoms when you do. Well, how do you measure that when most people are asymptomatic and we're just supposed to trust them? I, the, what, the, the amount of information and let me just say misinformation that we keep sure. getting, whether it's from the vaccine makers themselves or the government, that we're going to need a third vaccine after six months was the latest. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's making me question why the government even thinks it has anything like a purchase on the truth, never mind a monopoly on it. It, it, it you, you think about the misstatements they have made, the false promises and the false facts they have given out on COVID. Most of them from Anthony Fauci, quite honestly. We've played the montage several times. We can do it again. Most of them from Anthony Fauci. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. They think they have the credibility to tell us that other doctors outside the federal government are spreading misinformation when they counter what the federal government does, which has been one long line of misinformation on the coronavirus. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning and Plumbing, company I use, company my friends use, company my family uses. I love Cool Touch. You have to kind of experience them to know what I mean when I say fantastic customer service. It's just a great small business that doesn't act like a small business. They're open to 24-7, weekends, emergencies, you name it. Trust me. I've had to use them for those times, in those times. Cool Touch is the company I use, and right now they want me to tell you about a new air conditioning unit if you're in the market for one. That's a fantastic savings on your uh, utility bill because it operates as if it has a dimmer switch. So rather than it turning on and off, it gives you automatically the right percentage of air conditioning, just like a dimmer switch on a light without turning the light off, giving you the biggest savings on your utility bills and the most comfortable living environment. They have a $2,000 rebate on this system right now, too, if you're interested. But for that system, another system, or a repair or inspection or anything else related to air conditioning and plumbing, Cool Touch is the company you want. 623-734-1932. Or visit them online at cooltouchac.com. CoolTouchAC.com. My friend Smitty, how are you, sir? How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Always a great show. Always love listening to you. By the way, I use Cool Touch. They were fantastic. Yeah, they really are. Thank you for saying that. I use your sponsors. They're all great. Cool Touch was fantastic. Thank you. So, General Milley is what I'm calling about. I don't know if you followed the story and some of the reveals as to what's going on. The man openly likened Trump to Hitler, ignored the chain of command. He's supposed to be an advisor, not run the military. He decided, no, he'll run the military. He sabotaged the Afghan peace deal. 
decided he didn't like it, decided we need to stay there. So ordered and ran uh, drone strikes and missions that disrupt the Taliban and the peace deal. The guy is so dangerous, he should be in jail. He should be in jail. He certainly shouldn't be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of the military. Oh, he should have been fired long, long ago. Uh, Tucker has followed, has followed the story, uh, and some of the reveals from his own book, from Millie's own book, is enough to put him in jail, as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah, uh, I, I, it's a very, about. it's very, it's... <clears throat> It's so disturbing. It's hard to find the right words, Smitty, when you see whether it's the leader of the the the, uh, the director of operations for the Navy or whether it's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or whether it's the secretary of defense for them to be waiting in these territories talking about domestic coups, comparing yeah. any elected leader to Hitler talking about Reichstag moments, trying to understand white power. First of all, just first of all, from the very beginning point, I have no idea what business it is of the U.S. military to be investigating problems of white power in the United States. I have no right. understanding of why, mm. why that is of interest to the U.S. military, unless, of course— the entire left has since dismissed its objection to the kinds of things Tom Cotton was talking about uh, last summer. To protect the country, you may want to use the U.S. military invoking the Insurrection Act. Right? Do you remember? Well, do you remember I'll, the headaches and the jumping off the piers that caused? So now, what yes. we come to learn is it's not one U.S. senator from Arkansas saying that, but a progressive lefty who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff talking about it. In the it's meantime, one Tom Cotton never went so far as to compare the Democrats to Hitler, never would, never did. But that's what you get from one. your chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff when it comes to Republicans. Trying to well, read Marx and have his troops read Marx so as to better understand the problems of America. It's insanity. I was going to suggest you could just send your student to Harvard to get the same kind of perspective you'd get from Mark Milley, but the truth is Harvard would be too big of a shot. You could probably go to any junior college in the country to find this kind of junk thought, but it shouldn't be in the military, and Milley should have been long gone. Two quick comments? Yep. His problem is he saw himself as a separate branch of government. Yep. Which, you know, from the secretary, if the secretary of state wants to liken the president to Hitler, that's one thing. Yes, the secretary of state works, you know, and it reports to the president. I get all of that. But on the other hand, the chain of command, the military chain of command, that's pretty rigid and inviolate. And Millie was way out of bounds. And lastly, on an up note, please add seven days in May to your movie list. Mentioned it to you once before, you weren't familiar with it, but it is apropos about a military coup in this country and how it could be done. And the acting is superb. Um, the cast is fantastic. Okay. So, I would so information, information is useful, not when it first appears, but when it becomes accepted. 
And uh, Smitty, I uh, I have accepted this information and am going to make you a promise on air. I'm watching it this weekend. This is Kirk Douglas. Uh, who else is in? Ava Gardner, maybe Frank Sinatra's ex, right? Uh, yeah. Burt Lancaster. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember them all, but that's a, that's enough for me. Kirk Douglas, oh, yeah. Ava Gardner. Anything else will be Lanyap. That's the word for the day. Lanyap. <laughs> L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E, Lanyap. <laughs> Smitty, you doing fine otherwise? Everything else going well in your world? Oh, thank God. Everything couldn't be better. I'm blessed in so many ways. Uh, as Dennis Prager would say, gratitude is the order of the day. No matter what our problems, we still won the lottery by being born here, didn't we? Amen. Amen. And, you know, I mentioned it to you in an email. Don't know if you saw it, but I grew up in South Florida, yep. in Miami in yep. particular. Yep. And when you're on the beach and you see a raft of 15 Haitians wash up on shore and you realize that they traveled all that way in a in a 15-foot rubber raft to get here, and then you have people here who don't get it, it's pretty clear who, who's got it and who doesn't. Yep. The protesters on the streets of Havana, the protesters yeah. on the streets of Hong Kong, the students who were in Tiananmen— the Iranian people in 2009, they get it. I just wish the Democrats would. God bless you, Smitty. Have a great weekend. Call me next week, and I'm going to watch that movie this weekend. Before I send you off into the weekend, just a quick cleanup thought. News broke this week that 93,000 Americans died from drug overdoses. And I said you're not going to hear an awful lot about this from the president, have you? Hear an awful lot from the president about gun violence, which takes five times less lives in America, four and a half times less lives in America. I just, I just, I just think perspective is needed. That's all. I want to close with Ronald Reagan. Mr. Reagan, take it away. When I first suggested the danger of government control inherent in so many federal handouts, there were people who denied vehemently that any such thing could ever take place. And yet, before too long, the same people were saying, what's wrong with government control? And in the recent days, we've heard representatives in the higher echelons of government ask us, well, are you afraid of your own government? Well, to tell you the truth, I am. And all of us should be. And I speak not in a partisan sense of an administration or individuals. I'm talking of the institution of government. Wasn't this the admonition of the founding fathers that government tends to grow, to take on power, until freedom eventually is lost? The fact is, and we can't escape it, only government is capable of tyranny. When they say it can't happen here, just remember those words. Why is this government not subject to being a tyrannous government? Because of the Constitution that controls it, obviously. What happens when the Constitution is tattered, torn, and shredded? What's keeping us safe? Until Monday, thank you for spending some of your week with us. God bless you all, and class dismissed.